Hello, and welcome back to New Paradigm Healing. This series focuses on ayahuasca-assisted therapy, and our intention is to educate, inform, and support the conscious and responsible use of ayahuasca in a Western context. My name is Jessica Gooden. My name is Nina Itzah. In this episode, we'll be discussing the ayahuasca ceremony as a rite of passage. If you want to know more about ayahuasca-assisted therapy, sign up for our mailing list to be the first to know about Nina's new book launch, new episodes, and our upcoming trainings at avatarhealingarts.com. And help us spread our message by following us and sharing our episodes with your friends and by joining our Ayahuasca Assisted Therapy Facebook group. Awesome. So let's dive right in. Nina, I would love to hear your thoughts on the ceremony as a rite of passage and the importance of set and setting. Yeah, of course. I'm happy to. Thank you, Jessica, for the wonderful intro and all that you do. <laughs> I'm so happy to, to share this space with you. Mm. And uh, yeah, I'm sure that most people are interested. And that's what most of the focus is normally on the ceremony. So a lot of people asking questions about the ceremony and what's happening and how to understand it better. So I'm happy to do this episode and talk about it a little bit. I think, you know, one of the main misconceptions in the West is that a lot of people look at the ceremony is the end result <laughs> of something. So I will go to a ceremony and drink this medicine and then... And I will be fine. I will be healed. I will be happy. And then everything would, will be fine afterward. It's like, you know, same way as you would take a painkiller or something. And, you know, okay, I'm going to take this painkiller. And know that after 20 minutes or something, you know, the pain is going to go away. And it's going to be wonderful. Oh, if only ayahuasca was like that. Yeah, that would be amazing. Yeah. And this is really not what happens in reality. At least this is not my experience because I think it's really the ceremony for me. It's really like a gateway, like opening a door. And from this perspective, you can even say that it's the beginning of a journey, not the end of a journey, but the beginning of a journey. But in our context, we talk about the beginning as, you know, even before the ceremony to prepare for the ceremony. And we talked about set and setting before in other episodes and why is that important. But really what I want to emphasize now is that really the ceremony, it is a rite of passage from that perspective that, that you are crossing a type of threshold within yourself and kind of there is no return in a way that you cannot go backwards from there so you will be in a different space after that but then there is a journey when is that exploration of that new space and that embodiment and how to operate how to navigate in that new space and how to bring that into your everyday life and that what is the journey really is and from this perspective the ceremony is that beginning point and when I talk about the integration process actually in the framework that we use we take the ceremony as the beginning of the integration process so day one is the first day after the ceremony so yeah I think that's what I would like to highlight and I would love to hear what do you think about that and how was your experience 
Yeah, I totally feel aligned with that. And I love that you're calling it a journey and like a crossing of the threshold. And it's like, if you're gonna go through an open door, you have to walk to the door and then open the door. And so that to me is more like the preparation period. And then opening the door and moving through it is more like the ceremony. And then after that, then there's what's on the other side of the door and what you choose to do with that from there, which I'm I mean, it's a very, like, very, very simplified version of what I've experienced and I'm sure what you've experienced and other people have. We go into this a lot more in episode six. So if you want to learn more about the preparation and the set and setting, we talk about that in episode six. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for identifying that episode because I didn't remember which one was that. Yeah, but I would really like to put an emphasis on this as well. Although we talked about it before, the intentionality, which is the set, that what is the intention that really greatly influences the experience in the ceremony and the experience afterwards and the integration experience as well. That's what I would highlight, the intentionality with all mind altering substances, with all types of psychedelics is what is your intention of why you are doing it you know so the two main category that people would use this type of substances would be either for healing and self-discovery or for fun for recreation for relaxation and with the ayahuasca the (laughs) recreational part I don't think that is very significant because of obvious reasons that people are familiar with whoever participated right in ceremony I really don't know personally anybody who would take it for this reason purely you know but certainly what is your intention that will greatly shape the experience and the more clear and precise you are with your intention and the more focused your journey is going to be around that what you would like to focus on and how to resolve that in your life so that is greatly influencing the experience during the ceremony and then after the ceremony that the individual will have Totally. And as you were talking about this, I was thinking, okay, you know, as you're choosing your intention, then from there, that's going to influence where you choose to sit and take the medicine and style and what tradition you want to take the medicine in. The two main styles that I'm familiar with are the Peruvian Shipibo, particularly the Shipibo version. That's what I'm trained in. And there's also the Brazilian Santo Daime style. And main difference between the two is one is done in the dark and the other one is done in the light. So in the Peruvian style, it's dark. The shaman serves you by candlelight. Each person has their own individual mattress, their own bucket, usually their own toilet paper to help clean yourself up after any purging. And then it's very much focused on you go in there and the shamans connect with the plant spirits and it's more like a doctor. They kind of view themselves as doctors, the plants as doctors. And then they sing the Icaros and the Icaros are healing songs that change your inner vibration and allow this massive healing to take place. And then with the Brazilian, to me, it's kind of like, In the Western, I would say it's more equivalent to like going to church where you gather as a group 
in the style that I sat in, men were on one side, women were on the other, everyone wore white. There were buckets around, but it was shared because it was a much larger group in the Peruvian, it's much more intimate. And then everyone sits up and sings and it's the songs that hold the container for the space. And of course you, people journey and have experiences, but the main point, at least from my experience was that it's a connection with something greater than yourself. It's a connection with your community. It's connection with the universe, with the messages within the songs. And they're both very lovely, but depending on what your intention is, it's going to determine which one of those styles is calling to you more. Do you have any thoughts about that, Nina? Because I know you've been in both traditions as well. Yeah, thank you, Jessica. No, I you, you explained it pretty well. And of course, this is our perspectives on it. And there is, I just want to say that there's many types of different ceremonies and people who lead ceremonies and hold the sacred circles, they have their own individual style and take on it. And we are not taking any sides here. We're just, you know, sharing about what we experience that what we are more familiar with. So yeah, I really agree for me. One of the main difference is definitely as you said with the Peruvian with the Shipibo it's much smaller it's a much more intimate circle and it's much more internal and individual because you are in the darkness there is periods of silence and you are pretty passive you know and going within <laughs> really and the shaman is the doctor and the shaman oversees everybody that's why the group is much smaller and he goes and gives individual support to each person who needs it and he is the one who is singing the Icaros and using a surgical tools, you know, <laughs> almost like in an yeah. operate. Yeah, it's really amazing. It's a different type of experience and more the Santa Dime, the Brazilian, definitely I feel more this community vibe and there is not one individual, a doctor, shaman, a leader, but there is a group of musicians who lead the circle and, and these prayer songs that we sing together, they guide us in a way. So instead of having a shaman guiding each individual like these songs these prayer songs act for me as the guiding thread or something you know and at the same time I had very deep individual processes in that context as well and you know it goes all night normally the ceremony but there are periods also of rest and silence so I just want to highlight that my experience is that you cannot say oh it's like this or this is like that because <laughs> It's just, it might be or it might be not. So we are sharing some information, some experience, and there is, you know, infinite possibilities and infinite experiences. Everybody has their unique experiences. That is the perfect experience for them in that moment. So that's what I would like to share about this. <laughs> Yeah, thank you so much. I always love hearing your explanations of your experiences because I know that you've been doing this for so long and it's it always provides me with a little bit more, sometimes a lot of bit more clarity about, oh yeah, like that makes a lot of sense and this will be a good way that I can use to explain it to people in the future. So thank you. <laughs> Yeah, I would like to bring in a little bit because some people were asking us about just, you know, how to choose where to go or 
sure which one is um, a safe place or a sacred place if somebody wants to participate in this type of experiences. So I think it's it would be nice to share some practical tips that we came up with in terms of, you know, what to look out for if you want to go for an experience and you don't have... But first of all, you know, normally people have a personal contact, I think. If they are contemplating, maybe they have a friend who they told about this for them. So I think that's very likely that people have somebody who they know, who knows more about the medicine or circles or something. So I think, you know, one of the good tips could be that if you know somebody personally who you trust, then you can get maybe more information. That could be a good way to start. And and then another, I think, important that when you, if you find a group or ceremony leader or person who offers this type of service, when you connect with this person, just look out for what they are asking you for. So for example, if they are like, okay, this is the price of the ceremony and the event and please send the money here and then everything is done, I would be very suspicious about that and the quality of what's happening there. I think a good way to judge is, for example, the organizer or the leader of the experience um, they they should ask questions of each participants about their intention for the ceremony about their medical background about their state of physical health if they are taking any medication if they have any health challenges and especially if they do then they should contact personally that person and have personal advice in terms of what type of cleansing or detox or changes are needed if they want to participate in a ceremony or if there are any contraindications with the medications or the treatments that they are receiving because there's a lot of people who are looking for this experience for physical healing or for you know to recover from any some kind of chronic disease that they are struggling with for a long time and every person each individual is different so if you go for a ceremony and if it's your first time and nobody asks you about any of this any of your if you have any previous experience with the medicine about your medical background and all of that your intention for the ceremony then I would definitely be suspicious you know that what is the intention of the people who are holding the ceremony and what kind of level of competence they have what do you think about this Every ceremony that I've ever been to, I've received a list of contraindications for medications and health concerns. I've received, well, there was one where I didn't have recommendations on food, but I was in a space where that wasn't an issue. But usually they'll tell you don't eat any animal products before or anything really heavy before. We've talked about this, I believe in the set and setting episode six as well. But yeah, the money as well, the exchange of, okay, I'm going to come and sit with you. And if they're just like, all right, give us the money and then it's all good. That is to me, like you said, a huge red flag of like, I would not feel comfortable sitting in a space like that. And I also feel like something major that they do is there's an informational talk before the ceremony to explain the process. It's like, okay, we're having you do these things. Here's why. Here's what you can expect. Does anyone have any questions? This is how many people you're going to be sitting with. 
Yeah, definitely. I agree that it should be like an informational talk before the ceremony, either days before, you know, either online or in person when there is everybody's present and there is question and answers and everything can be clarified. Or if you are on the venue and you haven't had that before, they they start the ceremony itself. Normally they do the circle when they explain all the, well, the rules, you know, what's <laughs> going to happen, the structure of the ceremony the requirements and all of these things and when they give space to have to ask questions if you have any questions and this is very necessary that this happens and I want to highlight that if you decide to go for a ceremony and if you're even sitting in there in the circle and listening to this talk and before you are heading into the ceremony up until the last moment if you don't feel comfortable if something inside of you is telling you that you're not safe you're not to be there for any reason and you just do not feel comfortable with being in that space then you can change your mind you know up until you actually open the space and begin the ceremony so I just want to encourage people to really listen to their inner guidance and their intuition and just know that up until that last moment they can change their mind for any reason or without any justification and just walk out and say maybe I'm not ready or maybe not in this moment and that's totally fine and never to surrender to any kind of outside pressure or peer pressure or anything like that as a reason you know to do a ceremony or to sit in these type of healing circles. Totally. I had a couple of friends have an experience where they went into a ceremony and they felt pressured to drink the medicine and almost shamed. And for people who are going to heal from traumatic events, not having that choice or having that choice taken away from you, that can be traumatic in and of itself. So it's like counterintuitive to go into something and to heal from trauma and then be traumatized in that. And it also reminded me that ask if there's going to be any assistance or medical professionals on hand or anything like that, just so that you have an awareness of what's going on in the space. Like sometimes you might need to get up and go to the toilet, but you might feel like you can't walk. Or, Absolutely. or you're having really intense visions and you can't, you can't see where to go to the toilet, you know, things like that. But you know, you have to go to the toilet. You're like, I need help. <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's absolutely, even with smaller circles of 10 people, there are normally one or two assistants for sure. And bigger circles, like obviously there's more assistance with bigger circles. I never been in a circle which didn't have assistance, you know, to hold the space and to have the people. So thank you for sharing. That's another good point. And another thing that I would like to highlight is like a lot of people with anxiety and depression starting to come to work with the medicine for the obvious benefits and and long-lasting healing results but these type of medication especially serotonin blockers that you have to be very careful with and it has to be a certain type of detoxification and coming off this medication before you are heading into this type of experience and you know other medications like opiates as well also you know a special protocol so some people who are on pharmaceuticals long-term 
definitely you need to consult with a professional who has credentials and who has experience of how to handle these individual cases that people are safe and they can just benefit and have the best out of their experience. Thank you for adding that. And as you were speaking, it reminded me that of two things. One, if you have, if you or someone you know that's going to go into a ceremony to drink the medicine has had a history of heart attacks, absolutely contraindicated. And I'm not saying this to like scare anybody or anything like that. I just want everyone to be aware that like, it's not for everyone and that's okay. Drinking is not for everyone, but you can go into ceremony and not drink the medicine and still receive healing. That's one of the things that they talk about in the Peruvian style is that actually traditionally people didn't drink the shaman drinks and then you just sit there and you receive the healing. So that's an option too. Absolutely. Thank you for mentioning that. Maybe we do a separate episode about that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And asking good questions, like don't be afraid to ask questions. If you're heading into unknown, if you don't know these people, if you've never been in this place where you want to go, just ask questions, you know, and ask who are these people who are holding the ceremony? Who are the facilitators? What kind of training do they have? Where is the medicine coming from? What does the medicine contain? I think that's, you know, something important when we talk about the medicine, the the ayahuasca brew, we refer to a special tea that contains two ingredients, which is the ayahuasca wine, Banisteri Capi, and then the Chakruna leaf, which is a bush. And it's the, the wine and the leaves cooked together and cooked down into a thick brew. And that's what we refer to. And that is the traditional Shipibo style of cooking it, as far as I am aware of. That's what I work with mostly. I know that there are other types of cooking and that there are other, some people, some traditions use other ingredients that they also put in the tea. I'm not super familiar what those are, but I just want to highlight here that when we talk about the medicine and the type of medicine we work with and we share or experience that we refer to this traditional Shipibo style with the ayahuasca wine and the chakruna leaves and only these two ingredients. Would you like to add anything to that, Jessica? Sure. You can look this up on the internet. There is probably more, as many people as there are, there could be a million different styles of brew. Just like, you know, it's your grandmother's chocolate chip cookies recipe. It's your, you know, some familial dish that is really popular in your area that your family makes specifically different. So it's the same thing with the ayahuasca brew. So different people add like toei or mushrooms, but they add that in there as well with the ayahuasca vine and the chacruna. And as with other medicines and other recipes, if you add different ingredients, it's going to have a different result. So it's going to highlight different elements within you. So just do your research, ask questions. It's totally okay. And if you get the impression that it's not okay, that you're asking questions again, that could be a hmm. Maybe I don't want to sit with people that are making me feel uncomfortable right. because I'm, Absolutely. I'm questioning Or don't want to answer 
my questions absolutely and also something i would be suspicious of if they would say okay or brew contains 10 different psychedelic plants <laughs> you know i would be <laughs> like i'm not sure i want to participate in that so again that's something i would highlight some people asked us about what about doing an ayahuasca ceremony in combination with other medicines so multiple times i also heard about that people would do a combo ceremony let's say in the morning and then in the evening they would participate in an ayahuasca ceremony so i don't have a certain perspective on this or on specifically using it with other medicines what i can say from my own personal experience is that the ayahuasca is a very strong and powerful medicine so i would ask okay what is your reason you know to combine it with another powerful medicine why would you do that what is your intention what is your special reason for do that what is the benefit from that what are the risks that might be you know multiplied if you're using certain strong medicines together such as you would use strong pharmaceuticals together you know that there can be an increased risk so i'm not saying you know it's not okay to use them with other medicines or it's great to use them with other medicines i think it's very individual but definitely there there are things to consider things to to meditate on questions to ask and then reflect and sit with your inner guidance and see if this is right for you i certainly what i would avoid i heard about retreats you know when within one week you know they put people on five six different medicines you know within hours and then there is no integration or follow-up or something so these type of retreats and experiences when there is an overload or excess of medicine or combination of medicines especially for people who have no previous experience or knowledge or any kind of background with working with these medicines and then they send them home with any kind of support afterwards i would be very suspicious suspicious about those type of ventures again so but ultimately it is up to everybody to make their own decision and their own discernment and take responsibility for that thank you for sharing all of that and there was one thing i wanted to add how long does a ceremony typically last could you say well, so overnight, I, definitely. I mean, I heard people doing it during the day, but I don't feel that so alignment with the energy of the medicine. But like, I only participated in ceremonies that were overnight. Normally, that's more alignment with the feminine and that dark receptive space where we receive her as well. So normally, they start after the sun goes down and there is darkness. So it's at like eight. 7, 8, 9 p.m. And when I was in Peru, we would only drink at the beginning of the ceremony and take the medicine and then would have our experience and would be maybe four or six hours and then slowly coming back and gathering in the temple, resting and gathering in the morning and going back to our rooms to sleep while more the Brazilian would go on with periods of rest and sleep, of course, till like eight in the morning. So I would say overnight, you know, just starting in the evening and finishing in the morning generally they open the circle in the evening and there is a closing of the circle in the morning and one thing that I wanted to highlight thank, thank you for this question Jessica is that once you are in the temple and open the space and participate in the ceremony and drink the medicine you absolutely should not leave before the circle is energetically closed and the ceremonial space is closed 
first. So maybe you want to talk about that a little bit. Why is that important? Yeah, you mentioned that the energy is more in alignment and and the sun is a lot of light. The sun is energy and light contains information. So when we're absorbing all of the light from the sun, it can influence what's going on with the medicine. So that's why night tends to be more so when from an energetic standpoint as well moving into why you shouldn't leave for the first part there's people watching over you so if they don't know where you go during the ceremony that can cause alarm and a panic for them and be like oh my god what happened to this person especially if you're in the jungles of peru or wherever you're taking this like that can mean life or death you could get lost or anything like that so it's just one it's wise not to disappear out into the night and not let anybody know where you're going. But then also from an energetic standpoint, the shaman connects to each one of us. And when you leave, it creates a hole in the space and the shaman is not able to complete the healing. It's like going into surgery and you left before the doctor sewed up the wound and you know, you can bleed all over the place and cause infection and things like that. Totally. So yeah, it's really important to like stay into the container, let everything close and come to its cycle of completion, or there can be different consequences at varying degrees. Absolutely. I certainly, you know, dealt with people and people come to me who needed some, some assistance to close their energetic space because they left before the space was closed and, you know, kept getting sick on multiple levels because of the energetic overload and the lack of closure, as you said. So it's important that, again, you can change your mind until the last moment. And if you feel like it, please do that. And once you decided that this is, you know, what you really want and you are committed to the experience just stay until the end but as Jessica said there will be people looking out for you like all of the circles I ever sit in or work with have facilitators (laughs) I'm just remembering actually by the funny stories what we wanted to close (laughs) that (laughs) Zoe, who was our guest recently in one of our episodes, like she had this that she left, I think one of the, maybe it was the first time she went, I'm sure she wouldn't mind sharing this part. And she was outside for a little while in the jungle around the Palapa and somebody was kind of following her and she had this experience of being followed and not safe and persecuted, you know, like a little bit of news and anxiety. And then in the morning when, when the circle was closed and everything you know the sun came up and everything was in a different light it turned out that that was one of the facilitators who as you said these people are there to make sure that everybody is safe and taken care of so when somebody leaves the temple they go and kind of follow them from a certain distance to see if they are well if they if they need any assistance just making sure so it was exactly the opposite that her internal experience was what was really happening you know and she just had this big realization of what was her internal experience and what was really happening there was like such a big difference you know so that really I think it's a good metaphor and symbolizes you know that perspective and that darkness and that 
you know, in the darkness and the shadows and things are not how they are. They seem different. And then, you know, when the sun comes up and there is light and there is this different perspective, you look at the same thing and it's like, wow. (laughs) (laughs) This is like totally different from what I was thinking. (laughs) I love Zoe. (laughs) (laughs) I could totally see that happening with her. Thank you for sharing. (laughs) One of my funniest moments in ceremony, I'm one of the people that tends to get a lot of visions. And I know that it's unusual from all the people that I've talked to, especially fellow curanderos, curanderas who lead a lot of ceremonies. A lot of them don't have visions and a lot of participants don't necessarily have visions, which we've talked about before. But one time... I was in ceremony and this was one of the ceremonies that I was facilitating. And so I was an assistant making sure that everyone was safe. And I look over and I see this like shadow and one of the participants was having vision problems, which I think is very ironic given the situation. The main facilitator said, hey, Jessica, like I want you to watch out for this person. He can't see. So if he gets up for anything, like please go over and help him get to the bathroom or do whatever he needs to do. And I see this shadow and I thought that he had stood up. And so I shined my red light over there and all I see is all the participants on that side of the room just like sitting really politely but it was almost like when you see an animal in the dark and you like and the light hits their eyes that's what happened so I accidentally like flashed my red light in everyone's eyes and the shadow was just I believe one of the plant spirits that was like doing some energetic work or energetic surgery on the guy And I was like, oh my God, oh my God. And I barely had anything to drink. And I was just like, I felt so embarrassed. (laughs) Nobody was concerned about it. But to me, I was just like, oh my, oh my God. But just to say, we do take our jobs very seriously to the point that I will shine my red light in your eyes. I love (laughs) it. Just to make sure that you're Your superpower. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. My funny stories were not so funny when they happened, but they became funny with time, I think, you know, and it was a lot to do with, you know, the physical challenges that we went through while on the dieta in Peru in the jungle. And, you know, you are, we were on a very, very specific detox and diet, just like very minimal restricted food and then fasting and then having ceremonies every couple of days. So what happened was with a lot of us that your body goes in this constant state of detoxing (laughs) and you know like I don't know like there was like foam coming out of me like seriously like in in interesting consistency and stuff and we had this saying in our group that never trust an Amazon fart (laughs) because you would think oh it's gonna just be a little air and then it's like wow (laughs) Your body is like not under your control after a while in in some gross way that becomes like funny after a while because, you know, it's just so ridiculous. And 
yeah somebody came up with this with this uh with this catchphrase of having a torus purge like torus being this donut shape right so things you know just when you're sitting on the toilet with your bucket and and things are coming out or both <laughs> both and <laughs> <laughs> so yeah i think at that moment definitely as i remember i didn't find it funny at all but now that we think back and i think it's just like also like resilience you know and you're like oh my gosh i went through all that and and I'm fine and it's okay and the body is amazing and I mean it's not necessary that people have this type of experiences not everybody also has as you said you know visions or intensive purging but definitely I think people who go on a dieta <laughs> they will experience you know uh, some strange things you know happening in the body <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing that, Nina. This one, I again with my visions, I I looked over in the ceremony and on my dieta, it was very intimate. It was me, one other participant, and then the my maestro. I'm sitting in ceremony and I'm very sensitive to like you know how many people are in the space, and all of a sudden I feel like another energetic presence in the space. I look over on the other side of Maloka. And there's freaking Darth Vader from the, Star, from the Star Wars standing there. And he's just like hanging out, dancing. I'm like, Darth Vader, like dancing to the Icarus. I'm like, Darth Vader, what the heck are you doing in my ceremony? Right. I'm like, you are not a real person. Like you're not. And he was like, I am. I am real because so many people believe in me that all of the energy of all the people that believe in me has created a spirit for me. And I was like, oh, wow, how powerful. And thank you for showing up <laughs> to dance in my ceremony to teach me something smart. <laughs> Some <awesome>. infinite wisdom. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, I, when I was in Peru, you know, in the group, um, we had this awesome big clear quartz crystal, this big chunk. And we had this group intention that everything that we experience and go through, we're going to encode into that crystal and put in the Amazon River to send the energy right all over the planet, this healing and, and light energy. So at the end of the training, we all had this beautiful closing circles, sharing circle when we all held the crystal one by one, speaking and encoding or our wisdom or experience or love or awareness you know into this crystal and then the next morning early we were leaving early when it started to dawn you know when you were able to see something we got our stuff get the boat get everything in the boat and get going on the river starting like an eight hour trip on the river with our little boat going back to Kitos and <laughs> About like two hours later, the main facilitator of the group was like, okay, so where is our crystal? So now we can do the big ceremony of putting the crystal in the river and praying and everything. And one of the assistants, you know, what happened was like in the morning we were loading in and everything. And she was like, oh, here's the crystal. And she, oh, that goes into the river. Whoops. <laughs> and she just threw it over the, you know, but into, chunked it into the river. And it's like, okay, this is taken care of. It's in the river. And she just didn't think, you know, that it has to be this big deal, this big ceremony and stuff. We already did, you know, like 
encoding and you know the main facilitator was like a little bit being disappointed you know that this happened this way but I thought that it was so funny in that moment I remember I was thinking that yeah it's hilarious like it's in the it's in the river that that's what we wanted we did everything we encoded it we put it put it in the river like I mean who says that it had to happen right in a big kaboom way like with, with everybody standing over it and it really didn't matter because that's not what mattered what ha- what mattered was that the information that was in the crystal and then the river carrying that information and and our intentions and our love and and all the healing that took place there and it was just funny you know in this context to get upset about this just non-essential part of you know the wrapping you know to make <laughs> it into a package or with the bow or something you know to they're like that's not what it matters and and I thought that in that moment you know this was just this interesting experience and I I just remember that for a long time (laughs) yeah that is such a funny story I know I can get caught up so much of like I have these expectations and I want to be super ceremonial and have it be serious and you know like do it right do it the way that I imagine that it's supposed to be done and then when it happens like that it's just like (laughs) then it's like oh well um laughter is also equally important as the serious ceremonial stuff so just bringing in that joy and that lightness as well thank you so much for sharing (laughs) thank you for sharing We're coming to the end of our time for today. So help us grow our tribe by sharing our episodes on your platforms. It's the best compliment you can give us. Stay tuned for our next episode where we'll be interviewing Dean Pinon Sui, an incredible healer and integration expert who's facilitated over 500 ayahuasca ceremonies and assisted over 400 people through intensive immersive programs. If you haven't already, sign up for our mailing list to stay up to date about our projects and trainings at avatarhealingarts.com and modernsacredlife.com. And remember, you are the healer and love is the medicine. Love to you all. Lots of love.